For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who Welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. And I'm Sam. And today we are talking about ungratefulness and entitlement from our kids and how we as gentle parents approach these things and how we approach them differently from a traditional standpoint. Uh, but first, Sam's back. Welcome back, Sam. Oh, hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we missed you last time. Yeah, I missed you guys too. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it is good. How have you, how was your summer? Um, kind of been normal for us. It doesn't feel like summer is any different than anything else going on. Very yeah. hot, really hot. Um, yeah, the kids are ready to get back to some sense of normalcy. So they'll have their co-op starting uh, this coming week and they're all excited about that. Good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We could all use some normal <laughs> right now. I know. Right. <laughs> Any little bit of it, please. And thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so why don't we start off with um, just what the GP approach is to ungratefulness and entitlement? Because I think that's a good place to start. And what I have down, and you guys add any thoughts that you want, but what I have is that we foster and encourage selflessness and consideration by example uh, and developmentally appropriate mm -hmm. expectations and healthy, appropriate boundaries. It always comes back to boundaries, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries, expectation, and example. Sounds like gentle parenting to me. <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, with the example thing, I know it, like, sounds so repetitive and cliche, but, man, I just always come back to that with my parenting. Like, it's amazing how much our kids learn just by growing up in the environment they, they grow up in, in our homes, and how much that they pick up on that's not, like, verbal correction you know what I mean mm -hmm. so that's the one that kind of sticks out to me the most yeah yeah I think one thing that I've been just thinking a lot about lately is that is that like how frequently I try and instruct something and how much easier it is when it just comes naturally and when he's just watching when Calvin's yeah. just picking up what I do and I'm like oh crap actually speaking of that tonight I said oh crap and he goes oh okay and I was like oh okay okay and then he started going okay okay like, oh my gosh oh that's no that's like a rite of passage it's great when one of them pops up using it in context and you're like oh 
oh, that was me. I did that. Oops. <laughs> My <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the place where I thought we could start, um, though, which is kind of, it's foundational to all of it, to leading by example, to boundaries, to just the whole conversation starts with developmentally appropriate expectations. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that is one of the biggest places that people get caught up. Yep. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting. I was actually talking to one of the other Tending Lambs admins about this the other day because I, I never want people to think that when we say like, oh, this is developmentally appropriate, I don't ever want them to think that that is like the gentle parenting solution. <laughs> like, right. like having um, an understanding of what is developmentally appropriate and normal is not the solution, but it is encouraging. It's encouraging to know like my child's not doing something or acting out of sorts in a way that is not appropriate for their age or their development level or what have you. So um, whenever we say that, I always just hope people understand. We're not saying like, oh, it's developmentally normal. So that's just the end of it. You don't have to do anything about it or, you know, respond any certain way. You just kind of let them go. That's not what we're saying at all. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really helpful, at least for me too, in um, kind of having that foundation of knowing what is normal as opposed to like something coming across as them being malicious, um, especially the way that I was brought up and just, and honestly, a lot of parenting circles, there's just this idea that kids are doing something at you a lot of the time that they're really just acting out because they're having an experience that's really normal. So it's not pointed at you necessarily. Mm -hmm. So yeah, having that. And this kind of, goes along with what you're both saying that understanding the development of empathy um, and so Mm -hmm. just understanding what is developmentally appropriate is paramount to properly managed expectations and properly managed expectations can diffuse and help avoid a ton of unnecessarily contentious situations and so it's not like that properly managed expectations are the solution like you were saying but like Sam, you were saying it really helps to know, like, they're not doing this at me. This is totally something to be expected because their development kind of dictates this type of response, you know, and it can help your response be more patient and be more appropriate. Right. Yeah. I think an important thing to remember about that, too, is that, um, like, developmentally, Um, children are inherently selfish and I don't use that word selfish with all the baggage that we have attached to it. When I say selfish, I simply mean like they are self-preservers. Like that is Mm -hmm. what they are biologically designed to do is preserve themselves. And so until they develop the worldview and nuance and, Um, understanding necessary to be realistic in their expectations, they really do come across to us as selfish and entitled (laughs) a lot of times, I think, because they kind of are, like, they just have to be in order, like, that's their survival instinct, I think, a lot of times, you know. 
That's true. <laughs> uh, well, and, and on that note, I think it's really important to just remember because of this, a lot of our response is like kind of birthed out of waiting for the correct, uh, the development to come. Mm-hmm. So it's more, it's, it really is important to be patient. You can't force someone, a child or otherwise, <laughs> really, but a child to behave outside of their developmental stage through lectures and punishments. It's just Especially with not going to work. I, th- I think it's just important to remember that that these things like empathy and consideration and patience in your kids can only be really fostered and encouraged as development permits. It can't be forced because they're just, you know, they're babies really. Yeah. Well, and I would say even in, you know, later stages of development, it really can't, you can't force it then either. (laughs) Like um, in the ages and stages where, selfishness and entitlement really kind of isn't as developmental as it is um, just actual selfishness and entitlement. (laughs) Uh Um, Even in those situations, I would say, I think it's actually more damaging to try and force it. Like I'm specifically thinking of like the teen years. Um, I think that that can be very alienating and, um, that a lot of times when those things are expressed, it could possibly be that person or that, you know, teenager or child or whatever age they are expressing something else too, you know, like, um, I don't, I'm probably going to edit this out because I'm not expressing myself very well right now. No, I think that's, I think that makes a lot of sense because as a, as a teenager, just like as a two-year-old, you know, it, it is kind of, they mirror each other, these phases, in so many ways. Like, as a teenager, you're going through so much. And although there is a lot more growth there, uh, you're still so self-focused. Mm-hmm. And that is part of your development. You are now blossoming into an adult that recognizes other people have internal worlds as well but yours is so overwhelming and it's really hard to balance consideration for other people with the overwhelming stuff that's going on inside you as a teenager it takes a lot of maturity yeah it really does and that's the thing the maturity is like the key here in this development Mm -hmm. well i mean a lot of a lot of selfish behaviors or behaviors that come across as being really resentful or entitled um, that, I mean, I've noticed in myself or my kids or just kind of really anybody is there's like a root of not feeling heard a lot of the time too. Like it can kind of backfire if you're trying to force this, like you're not being understanding, you're not being considerate. And then me or whoever else would be on the other end being like, I don't feel like you're being understanding or considerate. And so, um, so it's, it's really important to be aware of what someone else is going through, but also to really model listening when they are coming across as being entitled and selfish. Um, and I've noticed this with one of my kids in particular, when 
she gets a little bit more um, bossy and assertive, but not in like a, not in like an empowered kind of way. Um, <laughs> a lot of the times it comes around to like, it's not the little things that she's actually focused on, like that. I want this, I want this, I want this. It's that she just doesn't feel um, listened to, or she doesn't feel heard a lot of the times. I'm sorry. Did any of that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's just something I see in myself too, is I just kind of, when I do feel like I'm in more of a selfish mood, a lot of the times it'll come out when someone tries to redirect that almost into, into being more compassionate and there's just kind of a balance to be had. Or when you feel disconnected from someone, I've noticed that in mm-hmm. myself. Like when I feel disconnected, um, from my husband, even I tend to self-preserve, right? Like we kind of, I think as humans, that's just our nature. When we don't feel heard or we feel disconnected from an important relationship, we tend to kind of withdraw into ourselves. Yeah. So, well, I think specifically about situations with me and my husband as well, when I know I'm being not nice, I know, but I'm, but I'm in a zone where I'm digging my heels in the ground. I'm really frustrated because I do, I feel unheard. And of course, you know, as an adult and we're on equal planes here, you know, this is not a child parent relationship. It's an mm-hmm. equal relationship. I have the responsibility to like uh, not dig my heels in. However, when he comes to me and says, I'm sorry, I'm not listening to you. I know I'm frustrating you right now. Or I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Like, can we approach this differently? It's like, man, suddenly it really is so much easier to like relax and say, yes, I'm sorry too. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, when these hormones and all the things that you're going through are so, so, so powerful, um, it's really important for the adult mm-hmm. to be the adult and to say, I'm listening. Like, I'm right. here for you. Especially if they're still young enough that they really need someone to help them co-regulate. Yes. That's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. yeah. I think trying to force this selflessness through yelling or punishments or lectures, a lot of parents try and lecture these things out of their kids, like trying to convince their kids to care more or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to do that too soon um, or just at all really, can backfire because you're causing your child to retreat back into that selfishness as a means of self-preservation. They're like, I'm not getting what I want. And what they know in that moment, whether it's right or not, is a self-preservation thing. It's an, I need this. I want this. This is mine. Mm -hmm. And you're not listening to me. And you have to bypass that. You can't do things that are going to force them back into it. Right. And also when you spend so much energy trying to lecture um, a concept into it and say a five-year-old or a two-year-old, you don't really get a return on all of that and emotions get kind of high. So it can be really easy to feel even more Mm -hmm. like they're being entitled and selfish Mm -hmm. because you're like, I just like, I can't even get across to you. You're not listening. Um, And it just can go back and forth. Um, And I think that's why it's really important to kind of hold boundaries aside from, well, not aside, but on top of understanding where they are developmentally or what needs that, like considering what needs might be behind their behavior. 
Um, mm. Cause if we're not holding our boundaries and we're getting sucked into it, then it's just, it's going to be more tense for them and it's going to be more tense for us. And it's just not really a good situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I think about too, just kind of a point of empathy maybe is how like bombarded kids can be. I mean, from the time they're little, my daughter's only mm-hmm. two and she like already has very clear preferences. She's already being like, very strongly marketed to <laughs> mm-hmm. like being told yeah. on tv i mean we don't even have cable we just use like youtube and like apps like that but in the store on youtube like they're being told what they need all the time and yeah. mm-hmm. it, there's really no distinction between like what they need and what they want and what they should have and what they could have and um I think that can just be really confusing and overwhelming. It's overwhelming to me. I feel like sometimes I have a hard time distinguishing like other than like food and shelter, like what <laughs> level of care I should give myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that can be a really complex thing for a kid to experience. Well, they don't understand the limitations. So like if I want something if I want something or I feel like I need it, I can say like, oh, I, I don't have the money for that right now. So I can't get that for myself. Whereas, like the kids don't have understanding of all these concepts, like of all the limitations that you kind of run into, whether it's a boundary that we have to hold or we don't have the money for it, or we don't have access to it or, or what have you. It's kind of, I mean, to me, it seemed in watching them like, almost like hit or miss. Like if I keep asking for stuff, eventually I'm going to get something. So why not ask basically? (laughs) Yes. You're going to ask for lunch. Yeah. You're going to get lunch or uh, can we play this certain game? Yeah. We can play a certain game or sometimes at the store. Do you mind if I get this? No, I don't, but it's not consistent. And just that understanding of everything involved, it's just not there. It's not there for a while. Right. And I think like that is such an important thing to remember to is that you are in the process of giving your children life context. Like they have no context for what is need versus what is want versus what can Mm -hmm. happen um, versus should versus will, you know, all of these things that they just are shooting in the dark. Like, oh, can I have this? Oh, can I have this? I need this. I need, and it all feels (laughs) so urgent to them. Like, you know, Calvin will come up to me and I know he's two and a half. So a lot of what we're talking about is for, for older kids. Cause I'm sorry, parents of toddlers, like we've just mostly just got to be patient, you know, <laughs> but like, uh, he will come up to me and just stick his hand in my glass because he wants ice. And of course it's important to me or for me to like, no, move his hand back to block him, you know, from doing that. But he doesn't know, like, <laughs> you know, he wants ice. And so there's ice and he's going to take it. You know, he is learning by my response. Mm-hmm. Um, what is and isn't okay. There doesn't need to be a spanking there or a hand slap or anything like that. I just move his hand away. I'm a grown up. He's not, you know, he wants the ice. I can prevent the ice from being taken, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Um, 
but yeah, we're, we're the ones that are giving them the context and that are teaching them. And sometimes they do get a little entitled. And I think it's important to hold all of this in the balance here and just remember that they're not going to be five forever. They're not going to be 10 forever. They're not going to be 17 forever. One day they're going to be adults with their own um, children, maybe their own lives. And you can through trying to force or through um, being permissive, you can, uh, I think, stunt the growth of empathy Mm -hmm. but through holding boundaries and just encouraging it through some of the ways that we've talked about and will talk about, um, you don't have to worry that they're going to be impulsive and selfish and demanding forever. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, well, let's go over some ways that we can, uh, follow through with boundaries and kind of provide some practical, ways that um, we do lead by example in this way? Um, I think one of the things that has been important for me and just my own habits really, like it's actually at this point kind of more, more for me. I mean, it is helping Calvin, of course, but is starting with little age appropriate chores, like throwing away his diaper or helping me put away his Lego or his Duplos or oh no, we can't have this here, you know, and taking it back where it belongs. Like, and actually yep. uh, following through with helping him accomplish the task. Mm -hmm. And so little by little, whether, you know, as he gets older, he'll unload the dishwasher or he'll put away, he'll bring his laundry to the, to the um, uh, washer and, you know, things like that he will grow in an understanding of housework and an understanding that we all work together. And um, of course that won't uh, mean, or that doesn't mean that he won't ever be demanding or expect me to do more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, having him be a part of the work helps give him more context and not feel like I am his maid, for example. Right. Um, it's really funny how early you can kind of implement these things. Um, and honestly, I didn't try to implement anything with our youngest. Um, and she's what she'll be 18 months old soon. But um, just by watching us, she knows that certain things go in the trash. She knows that you take the dishes out of the dishwasher. Um, she like she knows that clothes go in certain spots and they might not be the most appropriate spots. But um, <laughs> but she's picking up on stuff and she's involving herself. Yep. And, mm -hmm. um, and kind of encouraging that and making sure not to, it can be easy, especially if you have more than one kid or you're just busy, it can be kind of easy to like brush them aside with a lot of these things. Um, but it does take some thoughtfulness and some patience to, to foster that, that concept of like, you are in this family and you're part of this team, um, and you can help by, um, you can help by being productive in these little ways that I mean it doesn't take a lot of force it's just kind of having an openness to it and encouraging it when you see it yeah and I've yeah. seen that in Evie too like she actually once she kind of gets the concept she actually enjoys the stewardship of it I really think mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and that's <clears throat> maybe a little more so in toddlers <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it probably wears off a little more with older kids but um 
they do enjoy having some stewardship and dominion over their environment and their belongings. Um, and that's because humans in general enjoy having stewardship and dominion over their belongings and environment. So I think those are just easy ways. Like clearing the table is one thing we've worked on with her. Um, so she'll, she's learned kind of how to clear her own plate and she can, you know, put the Tupperware away from the dishwasher. She enjoys doing that. Like just little things like that with toddlers and adding more, like as Katie said, as it's age appropriate, but yeah, just giving them the opportunity to participate and be with you um, and have ownership over some portion of the household, I think is, is such a great way to start that process. Yeah, I think one of the things that stands out to me in my mind about that, about allowing them to have autonomy and to have responsibility over even small things, is that when you when you hold those things back from a child or or even through trying to help them, you inadvertently don't give them enough responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, however, that type of situation comes about where they don't have a responsibility. Um, they are going to fight for it. They're going to want it. They're going to ask mm -hmm. for it. They're going to say like, no, they're going to put, I mean, I see it with Calvin already. Um, him saying, no, this is mine. You know, everybody knows the mine phase of, <laughs> of toddlerhood and everybody knows the um the or the the phases that they go through where they start getting really asserting their independence and that's a good healthy thing but if in those times whether it be three or 13 or 19 you are preventing them from truly having responsibility over something Thing, which means that the also the responsibility to, and the freedom to not do something. Uh, I might be getting into hot water here. Uh, you are going to be, um, I think, creating future difficulties for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too is. I mean, this is kind of a gradual um, concept that they would come to understand. But um, if you're allowing them to have autonomy over things that are appropriate for them to have autonomy over, and they do go through the mind phase, and they come out of that knowing that, yes, they do have things that are theirs and that they're responsible for, I would assume it would make it a little bit easier for them to transition into uh, respecting that other people have ownership and autonomy yes yep their exactly. own things and their own boundaries so if I don't let my children have any boundaries or ownership and I expect them to like respect my boundaries and ownership I just don't think it makes as much sense that and this is one of the things that is really really important to me not only is it important for kids to feel autonomy and it will make it easier for them to understand other people's boundaries and other people's responsibilities if they are given proper responsibility themselves and autonomy over those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's 
underestimated how important holding boundaries are around the responsibilities that are not yours are or is that sentence got convoluted in my mind <laughs> um things like their dishes their clothes their dirty rooms like it's so important not to take over their workload mm-hmm. and either try and force these things that are theirs or take it on yourself to like I'm, well i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna do it um and then wonder why they don't understand or appreciate how much work you do as an adult. First of all, they're or never what they gonna... already have. Right. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, they're first of all, they're kids, so they're not gonna understand yet. They're just not. Um, but second of all, if you're coming up and cleaning behind them as they're made, um, you're you are cutting that process off at the knees. They're not gonna get it. Right. I think too is that when gentle parents or really any parent talk about having their children having autonomy over anything or ownership, um, people can hear that and think that it's almost very permissive um, and you're giving them too much responsibility and too much ownership and too much agency. But like you mentioned, Katie, is that part of that responsibility is um, is I mean like with their room is to be cleaning it up. Like there's kind of a there's a positive type of ownership here. And then there's also the piece of ownership where you, you steward, you're a good steward of those things Yep. as right. well. It's not that you just get to do whatever the heck you want with it and be destructive and be selfish and entitled and problematic. It's that like the things that are under your ownership or yours to take care of also. Um, right. That's basically what I was going to say too, is that it's actually in a lot of ways for me, more permissive to not do that because it's easier for me to just clean up after, um, Evie or, you know, it's just, I'm type A, I like a clean house. So it's just easier for me to not let her do it or let someone else do it because, um, I would rather have it done my way and it takes too long and it's, you know, not the way that I would have done it. So I think a lot of times, right. um, if you're like, it can actually be more permissive to not allow that responsibility mm-hmm. and stewardship and autonomy. I think on this note, a lot of parents can get to this place where they're like, okay, gentle people, like, then what? I can't force them through punishments, lectures, yelling, these kinds of things, but I'm supposed to give them autonomy. How do I do that if their rooms need to be cleaned or if they need, they actually do need to do something um, that is responsibility, like cleaning up their dishes or this or that. And I think this is where, um, I think we have an episode on negotiation comes into play. And also always going back, to age-appropriate expectations. Are you expecting more than they're actually capable of giving? It's okay to give a responsibility because you want to give them that opportunity, but if you're seeing that it's too much, it's overwhelming, it's okay to revisit that and see, like, how can we accomplish this together rather than trying to just keep you know pushing 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 uh it's also especially for older kids really good to go through um negotiation and talk about all right 
well, you don't want to clean up your dishes, but you really do want to eat with us as a family. So how are we going to accomplish this? Like, you know, how are we going to get these dishes done? And just talk through it with your kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think with um, younger kids, especially the two things I've found so useful are clear communication from the beginning and um, following through on those boundaries and consequences. So giving them a heads up beforehand, like, hey, we can't leave for the park until the dishes are cleared after lunch. So we're going to need to eat lunch and then clear our dishes and then we can get in the car. And if the dishes aren't cleared, we can't get in the car, you know. Um, So just communicating really clearly ahead of time. And then, um, like we've been talking about, holding those boundaries and allowing kids to experience consequences if they're not following through on the responsibilities that they have. Right. I think that that's a really, a really important one for me too. And just thinking about like, I am allowed to say as mom that I really don't want to come back to a dirty kitchen, you know, and say like, this is our chin, but this is like my one, you know, this is my domain as mom. It might not be in your house, but it is for us uh, for the most part. And I really want this, I really need this clean so we can come home and I can start dinner or I can do whatever and not have to worry about getting these dishes cleaned up. And if you're not going to clean them up, I'm going to need to clean them up. And then, you know, right. We're not going to be able to go right now. It goes back to the whole, like, this is your dish. You need to take care of your dish that you used for your meal. And um, maybe even as they're older, explaining why, like, we don't leave dishes out before we leave the house because it attracts fruit fries and that's gross. We don't want that in our house. We want a clean environment. So you need to do your part in participating in this or what have you. So um, the last piece of this, it's really the first piece of this, but um, the last piece of this episode is leading by example. And we've talked a lot about it, but here are some ways to do that in like in this, on this subject in particular um seek out opportunities to care for others and involve your kids in some of the decision making like if you have a meal train for a sick church member uh, what should you bring ask the kids and bring them into the planning and the cooking show them the joy in helping others and through your joy and uh, consider them and their opinions where possible this is a big one going back to autonomy and just leading by example showing them that they matter um intentionally expressing gratitude for the things that your kids bring to the table Uh, that is going to be a huge important piece of the culture of your home if there is gratitude consistently going around for the uh, for the things that other people bring to the table uh, they're going to grow up with that expectation and follow suit Uh, Do not expect them to consider you and your feelings all the time. They're kids. They are selfish and they're supposed to be right now and they will grow out of it. Uh, It's your responsibility as the the adult to hold boundaries where you need them to be. Not your kid's responsibility yet to, you know, stop asking for this or for that. You've just got to say no when it's time to say no. Showing appreciation through your own words and actions, just like, you know, the whole gratitude thing. 
Um, and another really big one that I think everybody can sometimes fall into without um, meaning to, but it's important. Um, avoid manipulative behaviors that shames one for what you perceive gratitude or consideration. Sighing, eye rolling, um, asking questions that aren't really questions, giving um, options that aren't really options. If it's not an option, don't make it an option. Uh, if you ask someone to do something and it's, a, it's, you ask, Hey, can you do this? Get, they have to be able to say no. <laughs> um, so keep perspective, remember who the adult is in the situation and check your boundaries. Well, this is a great place to stop. I think we have covered everything that we need to cover. Um, but if there's more that you guys have questions about or you want to talk about or examples that you have that you think other people could benefit from, please join us in our Facebook group, um, the Tending Lambs Facebook group. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you in there. It's active and a lot of fun. Um, so please join us in there. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tending Lambs, Instagram at Tending Lambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time.